You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, joined with Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight, bud? I'm doing well. Uh, I could be doing a bit better if uh, the Jets did acquire that wide receiver that was traded today. Instead, he's now a AFC East rival that we have to play two times a year. But other than that, man, I'm doing well. Yeah, uh, a lot of crazy activity out there on the wire today. Uh, you know, I think it was mid-morning, some news broke out about the Jets being interested in making a trade as the Kansas City Chiefs allowed uh, the Tyreek Hill camp to uh, venture out and, and look for trade suitors. And uh, that wasn't the only thing that was going down today because uh, we have a lot of topics put on the board for tonight. And, uh, you know, we're going to review some position groups. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the wide receiver position since this was uh, trending today. And then we're also going to review our quarterback group, our tight end group, and we're going to talk a little bit about our defensive backs at the end of the show. But before we get uh, too far here, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Uh, if you are a business owner and you're looking to improve your company's social media status, please go to milesocial.com and see how they can improve your company today. All right, Dylan. So I really, really want to get into this Tyree Kill situation And I want to talk about the position groups, but there's been something that's been bugging me and something that I've been seeing for the last few weeks, and it seems like it's getting more and more traction, and certain people have too much time on their hands. And I know you know what I'm talking about, but our listeners don't. And I am getting a little fed up with the amount of hazing that's going on with our tackle, Makai Becton. For whatever reason... This poor guy is defending his honor almost every hour on social media. And I'm getting a little annoyed with it. And I'm not sure how you feel about it, but it's time for the fans to pump the brakes here and realize he's a Jet, and we got to support this kid as much as possible because whether he plays left tackle or right tackle, he's got to protect Zach Wilson. And I have Makai Beckton's back. And I'm hoping that he comes and has one of the best bounce backs of any player in the NFL that we've seen. I'm not sure how you're feeling. I'm a little fired up tonight, Dylan. So this is going to be a good show, but I'm just, I'm a little peeved and I'm getting just a little frustrated with the amount of hazing that's going on with one of our Jets players. How do you feel about this topic, uh, Dylan? Yeah, I think a little frustrating is, putting it kindly, honestly, this, like, this Mackay Becton stuff really needs to stop. I, you tweeted it out to me this morning, and then I was so dialed in with the trade that fell through that I wasn't even looking at all of this on on our side of it. And Mackay Becton just tweeted at 1241 after the trade didn't happen. He said, pain. That's it, one word. It, it's blowing up, and obviously somebody 
has the audacity to comment, do you think you'd get to go to KC in that deal or something? And it's like, why do, why do we have to go there? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Like, he is a Jet. He plans on being a Jet for the future. So the more we just keep poking the bear, essentially, like, we mentioned it off air. Why doesn't this guy just ask for a trade out of here? Clearly the fans don't care for him, and they're only going to say belittling things behind their keyboards. Obviously, he's six foot seven, so anybody that yeah. tweets bad things at him it will only do it behind a keyboard. But, yeah, it's just – it's nonsensical. Like, we're in the middle of March. This guy just had a baby not too long ago or is expecting a child. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm sure his brain is not ready to focus on this bird app. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fired up, too. It, it's it's got to stop. I came up with an acronym today, LMAO. It obviously stands for something else. But it's just leave Makai alone, okay? That's what it has to be. You just got to <laughs> leave this guy alone. Like, just – let him do what he needs to do in the off season. Let him go kill the off season. These tweets back and forth. See, even my dog's fired up. All these tweets at this guy is only going to make him more angry and less likely to want to re-sign with the team. So if we don't get a tackle in the draft and Makai Becton's like, you know what? I'm tired of these fans. Let me let me see what happens if I request a trade. What are the Jets going to do? We're going to start George Fant and Connor McDermott. So fans just need to relax. Yeah. And take a deep breath. We're in March. We're still five weeks away from the draft even. So we're jumping the gun, and we just got to leave this guy alone. I mean, at this point in time, we're, we're almost toward, you know, draft season here. And, you know, this is one of the more exciting times of the year. This is going to be one of the most pivotal drafts for the, for the Jets in Lord knows how long. We've got a lot of opportunity to turn this thing around. And it all starts in April, and it's it's time for people to get on board, and and we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, we uh, we poured our hearts out into it. We we've gone in, uh, on this topic. We had to speak our minds, so we're gonna leave it as is, and and hopefully, uh, you know, you and I have gotten to uh, at least a few people to to turn some things around here. So as Absolutely. we go back into our topics of the show. Um, you know, let's just go ahead and uh, dive in deep into this. So I want to go, you know, back to the Tyreek Hill situation here. And um, do you have the compensation um, available to you? I'm trying to look it up right as we speak, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I just, I just did look. a little write up uh, as soon as we were yeah, about to so go why live. Don't you break down, you know, what Miami um, gave the Chiefs, and uh, I think you also have some information on what the Jets were offering and uh, some other information. So floor is yours, Dylan. Sure. So obviously, as everybody knows, around noon today, a big blockbuster tweet came out that the Chiefs were going to let Tyreek Hill explore a trade uh, because their contract extension talks were stalled. I apologize for my dogs. They're going absolutely nuts. And uh, nobody thought at first that this was going to actually get to a done deal trade. Everybody was saying this is a leverage play for Tyreek to get more money out of Kansas City. He's just going to squeeze them. You know, the Jets are used to this stuff. So the Jets and the Dolphins ended up being the two um, top top runners for the, for the, the trade to happen. Uh, the Packers ended up being in there late, but they're usually always in their calling team. So the Dolphins ended up sending the 29th overall pick the 50th overall pick and a fourth round pick in 2022 with 
two day three picks in 2023. I believe it's a four and a six. So ultimately they got five picks, which is a huge haul for a non-wide receiver. And then tweets came out of what the Jets offered. And it was confirmed that they offered the 35th overall pick and the 38th overall pick. So when I saw this, I immediately jumped the gun and said, oh, the Jets were outbid. They offered a first and another top 50 pick. So clearly they were going to take five picks over two. And it turns out that I was wrong, completely wrong. Twitter told me that, that the Jets and the Chiefs actually agreed to the deal and the Chiefs and the Dolphins agreed to their deal. And it was ultimately up to Tyreek Hill to decide where he wanted to go. So for anybody that was like me jumping the gun, you know, giving Joe Douglas some flack, he had the deal done. It was Tyreek's decision to ultimately go to Miami. He lives in Miami in the offseason, so it's not it's, it's obviously not a no-brainer decision, but it was a decision that was favorable for him. And then he immediately signed a four-year, $120 million contract extension with the Dolphins, $72 million guaranteed. And, yeah, sure, you can say the Jets, they were willing to pay that. They were going to make him the highest-paid wide receiver. So for the first time in a while, it comes down to the Jets – getting there and just the player choosing rather than the team choosing a different team. I feel like the Jets usually get leveraged by other teams that way. So for Tyreek Hill to actually be that close to be a Jet, like it, it sucks. Like ultimately it really sucks because it's Tyreek Hill. Let's face it. He's a dynamic wide receiver, probably top two in the league. He's probably the best wide receiver in the AFC. Like I think he's better than Stephon Diggs. So it's unfortunate to be so close to having him on our team to now having to cover him twice a year. Um, we've talked about it at, at length. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Bryce Hall fan. I'd like that he had 16 pass breakups last year, but there's also downside to that. So I think the Jets fans looking at it like, oh, we weren't like, you know, we didn't, didn't need Tyree Kill. Like, we do. We need Tyree Kill, and our corners are going to mm-hmm. show us that this season when we play the Dolphins. And I was ready to come on here and say that the Jets should be looking at second in the AFC East, behind the Bills. They should be able to take out the Patriots. They should be able to take out the Dolphins. Maybe not every game and sweep them, but they should be competitive and have a better record than them at the end of the season. And now it's kind of hard to say. I'm not going to say the Dolphins are, you know, playoff bound, but this definitely puts them in the driver's seat to take second place in the AFC. So it's kind of a gut shot, especially for somebody like me who really likes Tyreek Hill as a player. So it's, it's, it's bumming, but at least we know that Joe Douglas was able to get it done and it was ultimately Hill's decision. Yeah, uh, the, the idea of acquiring a player like that, I mean, what's not to love? Um, he pretty much breaks the whatever mold or the blueprint is for a dynamic wide receiver, um, you know, with exception to the speed. You know, you have to be, you know, six foot two or taller. Um, you have to have these massive, you know, nine to 10 inch hands. You have to bench a certain amount and, you know, you have to have a a three cone drill. That's like, you know, sub whatever, you know, the top guys are. And, you know, this guy comes in and he's a little undersized, um, you know, kind of built like a uh, return guy more or less, but, you know, his speed is unmatched in the league and, you know, they call him the cheetah and Lord, when, you know, we talk about getting, Zach Wilson playmakers and doing as much as we can for Zach Wilson, uh, you know, this definitely shows that, you know, the Jets are in that 
mindset that they want to do whatever they can for Zach, and I and I like that. I appreciate that, and um, you know I hope that continues as we uh, continue our um, you know acquisitions of trying to bring in more talent for this team. Um, really, really hoping that uh, you know maybe if somebody else becomes available, we're knocking on the door too. Um, but like you said, I think what hurts probably the most <laughs> is uh, the fact that not only did we miss out on the trade, um, but the compensation was probably way too much for Joe Douglas. Um, but now we have to figure out a game plan twice a year of how to contain Tyreek Hill, and not many teams are very good at doing that. And, you know, you can have the best cornerback on the field, he's still going to make a play. And usually that one play hurts, you know, hurts the other team. So uh, that is going to be something that we will be talking about later on down the road. And uh, as we get through the regular season, um, he will be the topic of conversation when we face the Dolphins. And, yeah, that's going to be the blueprint. How do you stop Tyreek Hill? And uh, I, I, as of today, I do not know what the answer is to that. So um, hopefully Robert Sala and company – uh, have have a plan or, you know, they'll begin starting to put a plan in place on how to contain the man because he is dynamic and he is few and far between from the average wide receiver out there. So we're going to use the Tyreek Hill situation to segue into our first topic of the night. Tonight's uh, theme for this show is a position group review. We're going to take just a few positions tonight Uh, We're going to talk about some of the free agents that were brought in, and we're going to uh, just, you know, briefly discuss, you know, what areas have improved, do we still need to do more, and uh, we do have a a short list. Um, Here we go again, jumping, playing leapfrog here. Uh, We want to talk about some players that were signed that we didn't get to discuss after Tuesday's show. Uh, We signed Connor McDermott this, this week. We got him. Uh, from pen to paper. Uh, Nate Shepard, defensive lineman, is coming back. Uh, Dan Feeney, interior offensive line. Um, Islander, you know, beer-chugging legend, um, is coming back for another year. And then Hmm. this may be the coolest signing, and that's Jacob Martin, whose brother played on our team, and that was Josh Martin just a few years ago. So kind of cool how the Jets uh, kept it in the family with the Martins. And, uh, you know, he comes from, I believe, the Houston Texans, right, uh, Dylan? Uh, Yes. And uh, maybe about a handful of sacks um, last year as an edge guy. So uh, somebody to mix into the rotation. Um, Not too sure how much he's going to bring to the table, but Jets seem to like him. They're keeping him in the family. And uh, no complaints from me. I just thought that was kind of cool that uh, his older brother used to play for us. Okay, so with the wide receiver conversation um, going down with Tyreek Hill, um, Dylan, do you think that the Jets should continue to test the free agent market? And if you do, is there a player that you have in mind that, that we should, you know, put on our radar? And then furthermore, I'd like to do a little draft talk. And let's play a scenario here that the Jets are looking to pull the trigger on a wide receiver in the first round with our 10th pick. So loaded question, but I know you can handle it. 
Of course. Yeah, I'll start with the veteran part first. Um, this name was floated out for the Kansas City Chiefs, actually, as a replacement for Tyreek Hill. I say that as if that's a possibility in this world to replace Tyreek Hill. But they were looking at signing Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the former Packers wide receiver. And mm. I, I quite frankly like that signing he's probably not my number one choice of all the veteran options but he is somebody that consistently wins deep um people tend to think that um Devontae Adams was all that Aaron Rodgers had in Green Bay but quite frankly I like their wide receiver group outside of Devontae Adams still I liked Alan Lazard MVS is is a good player he's I think 6'3 and he's a deep threat so he's kind of the best of both worlds for uh Zach Wilson everybody seems to think that we should get a taller contested catch specialist in the draft, like a Traylon Burks or a Drake London. Um, and then there's other people that say, let's go for speed and get a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. And I think you kind of get both with, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He can take the top off. He's not going to be your number one wide receiver. So, like, Corey Davis, maybe Elijah Moore even on the outside, and MVS as a big slot. I kind of like that a little bit more than Elijah Moore in the slot, I think. People take that a little too serious with Elijah Moore with his size that he can't play outside consistently, and mm. I think that's false. He's, he's definitely an outside receiver. So you could put MVS in the slot. Um, but the other option I had as a veteran would be Odell Beckham. Uh, uh, Glenn put out a poll, I believe, yesterday. I think people can still vote on it, on if <clears throat> the Jets were to bring in a vet, who would it be? And I quote tweeted it, and I said, Odell Beckham has been the best wide receiver to play in MetLife since he's been drafted. And I, I think it's true to this day. I don't think the Giants or the Jets have a, a wide receiver that is the OBJ caliber of when he was on the Giants. And I think OBJ, yes, he's coming off the, the big injury. I believe it was an ACL. It's not ideal. So you could still get him on a low-cost low signing and still go out and get another veteran as well as the rookie. So like, there's plenty of things you could do with Odell, but he should be full strength by midseason. And he's somebody that would immensely help Zach Wilson and his development. So MVS and OBJ acronyms are my thing right now. And as far as the rookie at 10, um, Mel Piper actually just put out a, a mock draft on ESPN plus that had the Jets taking Drake London at four. And I thought that was a little, a little different, a little different. I'm not going to, you know, get mad at him for his opinion, but I think it's something that hasn't been seen before. And I don't necessarily think the Jets would do it. So, obviously, looking at number 10, you still hope that you have, you know, the pick of the litter. Essentially, maybe one comes off the board a little bit earlier than 10. I'm not sure if it would be 8 or 9, probably 8 to Atlanta. And then you have either either the wide receiver 1 or wide receiver 2 left on the board. So, again, with the veterans, I'm going to throw two names out there because there's so many different mm-hmm. scenarios that could happen. Um, so, if they want the, the route runner separator type, they can go Garrett Wilson. He's not the best route runner in the draft, but we, he showed he has speed. He can do all of the routes that are asked of him, and he has really good hands at the catch point. So Garrett Wilson would be like the Odell Beckham equivalent, so to speak. And then the other option would be Jameson Williams. Let's go out and try to get a Tyreek Hill. We were just going to give up two second-round picks for a really fast player. So why not take Jameson mm-hmm. Williams? Again, he's coming off the ACL injury in January. Yes, they recover a little bit faster than they have in the past, but I'm not going to say he's going to have, like, some super fast recovery and be ready to go for week one. That's just unrealistic. He'll probably be ready midseason, just like an OBJ, and 
this guy can do it all. He can take the top off. He can take big hits over the middle for a small guy. I think people like to give Devonta Smith last year a lot of flack for being a small guy. And then you just pop on the film, and they're they're both smaller guys in stature, but they're taking big hits over the middle, and they're not fumbling the ball. So Jameson Williams and Garrett Wilson are my, my clear-cut choices for number 10. I'm not big on Drake London. I've been kind of falling off on Traylon Burks. And everybody else, mm. I think, is like a mid, is like a mid first. So Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams would be my my top two. I like those uh, those picks, and and uh, MVS is definitely um, somebody that I was looking at and intrigued about when I was making my selection tonight. And you know, I kind of feel, you know, a player like that with his skill set, you know, could probably warrant a little bit more money than we anticipate. Um, you know, because the market has been a little volatile and players are getting a little bit more than people anticipated. And maybe that's because there's been some changes to the salary cap and it's going to continue to grow higher and higher. So what we thought was, you know, fair, uh, you know, deals for certain position groups. Now we're looking at it like, wow, they're, this position group is making so much more than what we've seen in recent years. And I think it's just all because the salary cap continues to to be, you know, tweaked here and there, and they continue to vote to put more money on the table for the players. And, and I'm all right with that, you know. Um, it doesn't sit well with me that, you know, uh, the guys that are not on the field are making all the money, and the guys that are putting their bodies on the line are the ones that, you know, um, are living paycheck to paycheck. That's just not the way it should be. So um, to go into, you know, who I think the Jets would be able to acquire and not for, for too much money, um, there was a player that caught my eye last year. He was a little bit of a flash in the pan. Um, his numbers are not going to jump off the page to you. But uh, Traquan Smith from the New Orleans Saints, um, he's, you know, mm-hmm. relatively young, right around 26 years old. Um, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed down in, in uh, New Orleans. So the fact that, you know, over the last two years he's had 50-plus targets, you know, he's been right around that 400 um, to you know, five. He, he's not been to the 500 yard um, total uh, for season mark yet. But again, when you're talking about players like you know Mike Thomas, and you're talking about players like you know uh, <clears throat> uh, Calvin um, Kamara. I'm sorry, Alvin Kamara. I just botched that. Sorry. Um, you know, when he's getting all those receptions, it's really really hard to. Uh, to get all those targets, but, you know, with everything that happened with Mike Thomas, he got a little bit of an uptick, and uh, he's scored about a handful of touchdowns each season. So I don't see him as a guy that's going to come in and change our offense, but we know how certain players on our teams have not been the healthiest uh, players, you know, looking at Corey Davis right now. Uh, So when you need somebody to come in that can keep your offense rolling, I do think that, you know, he has some abilities to do that. And, um, you know, last year I saw a couple plays with this kid. And I'm like, wow, you know, this guy's definitely an untapped resource. So maybe the Jets get a lucrative deal, go for somebody like that. I mean, there's some big names still out there, like, and and they're older too, like, you know, Julio Jones and, uh, you know, Will Fuller still out there. You got players like A.J. Green that are still mm-hmm. out there, um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you know, 
these guys are going to warrant a lot more money than, than what we need to be spending. And, you know, these guys near the back end of their careers are probably going to be looking for some teams that are, you know, playoff ready or looking to get over that final hump to get to the championship game and go to the Super Bowl. So I can't knock these, these older veterans for saying, you know, Jets look all right. They're they're getting better, but they're not there yet. And I'm not willing to spend my last couple of years to see if we get lucky. Um, so maybe we find somebody a little bit younger, somebody that hasn't been used as much and could end up being like a decent commodity. You know, maybe even like an Albert Wilson, somebody that can be a gadget player. Uh, and, you know, in the event that something happens with Berrios, he can help you in the return game as well you know, somebody that brings more than one aspect to the table. And that's kind of where I think the Jets maybe should go in free agency. Find somebody that can provide returnability and step in when you need them to come in on a pinch. Now, as far as the draft here, um, it's interesting because um, I do think that, you know, when you look at the film of Traylon Burks, there's a lot to like. Um, He had a phenomenal season last year, you know, over 1,100 yards with 11 touchdowns and, I think he had one on the ground, so I think he had like 12 total scores last year. A lot to like with a player like that. You know, six foot three, two twenty-five. Um, he makes that. He meets that mold of those bigger, you know, faster guys. You know, kind of like the uh, AJ Greens and Julio Jones and those kind of players. So that definitely intrigues me. But if I have to be honest, I've always been set on Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I really love his route running ability. I think you put two guys like Moore and and Wilson on the field, and then you have, you know, Corey Davis out there, possibly Denzel Mims coming out of his shell. You could really, really have a potent offense with a player like that coming into the mix. Um, I love what I'm seeing or what I saw from Elijah Moore, but if you can get another guy that can work in between the seams, with Eli, wow. I mean, Zach Wilson would have such a monumental jump, I feel, from his rookie year to his second year um, if you bring in a player like that. So my eyes are set on Garrett Wilson at 10, um, and I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I am intrigued by Drake London, um, the size and everything like that, the comps, you know, next Brandon Marshall. We've heard that before and we've seen that not come to fruition. I've come to find that the players that are better route runners and a little bit smaller in stature, you know, make more waves when they come to the next level uh, because they're overlooked. (laughs) And I kind of feel that even though everyone knows Garrett Wilson's great, I just think that his skill set, it would absolutely be dynamic in Mike LaFleur's defense. All right. So, Um, we're going to move on to our next topic here and let's talk a little bit about the quarterbacks here. Um, Jets brought back Joe Flacco and, uh, Mike White just signed his tender that the Jets had put on him, which I think was for about two and a half million. So Dylan, how do you feel about the blue hen coming back? And were you nervous at all about somebody picking up Mike White or did you always think that he was going to stay green and, Overall, how do you feel about the strength of our quarterback group? Um, well, no, I wasn't really nervous about somebody 
plucking away Mike White, honestly. I think he's an okay backup, but the fact that they signed Joe Flacco back before trying to sign Mike White back, I think, kind of says a lot. Sure, they, they like what Mike White did against the Bengals, but then they didn't like what Mike White did the rest of the season. So they're obviously not comfortable with him playing. Uh, me, personally, I like the guy. I could care less if we carry two or three quarterbacks. I'd prefer if we carried two so that we could have an extra roster spot to fill with depth somewhere else, maybe edge, corner, wide receiver. That's a, a trend that you'll see. So, I don't know, carrying a third quarterback on the active roster doesn't really sit well too well with me, but at $2.5 million, the money is negligible. I could care less about the money at that point. I think Flacco signed a similar deal. It's going to be like 2 or $3 million with five in incentives that he probably hopefully – will not see. Um, So ultimately the strength of the the group, I'm happy that Zach Wilson has his guys. Like that's essential for him to be comfortable in the room. Ultimately he needs those guys that are, that have been through it. He's still, you know, a little green Zach Wilson. He hasn't started a full 16 games yet. So like obviously Mm -hmm. the jury's still out about what his potential is. We all think he has great potential, but I think this year will be very telling. So the fact that, all last offseason, we yelled at the Jets for not having a veteran quarterback in the room. I think it's very smart that they decided to bring both. Mike White could get cut, and they'll save all of the $2.5 million. So if he's, like, cut and brought back to the practice squad, that's cool. You know, I'm cool with that. But I would prefer to have two quarterbacks on the roster heading into the final 53 and use that, that extra uh, roster spot on a position of depth. Yeah, you, what I really like um, about this is is bringing in an actual vet like Joe Flacco to mentor Zach Wilson. I really, really thought it was not a good plan last year going into the season without any experience at the position. Um, and it was almost when Zach Wilson was struggling early on, we were forced to continue to push him because there was no one – I really that I felt confident with, and I don't think the organization felt confident with until they were forced by injury to do so. And then at that point, that's when they went out and they got Joe. And I really like the fact that what he brings to the table is definitely experience. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been to numerous playoff games. He's he could basically be a player coach, um, very similar to how. You know, Uncle Josh um, McCown for, for Sam Darnold was um, not not <laughs> yep. too long ago. And, uh, yeah, I just like that aspect of having a guy like that in in the locker room. Zach can pick his brain. He can ask him, when you're looking at this defense, you know, what's your first read? And when that's not available, who's your next go-to? These Those type of conversations are so valuable to a young quarterback and I really think that that's going to bring a lot to Zach Wilson's development from year one to year two. Um, and, and then, again, if something, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't, but if something were to ever happen, you know, I feel way more confident than some of the other vet quarterbacks that are, that are still floating around the league at this point. And to be honest with you, the deal is going to be good for us, and we're not paying way too much money for a backup quarterback like some other teams have done. So mm-hmm. very happy with Joe Flacco bringing back, you know, 
uh, Mr. Hall of Fame, Mike White, uh, for his spectacular game, you know, 400-plus yards with three touchdowns. Nobody's ever done it. That was his, you know, 10 seconds of fame. Um, and I like, you know, the fact that you have a kid out there that's young, he's got a good arm, uh, and it brings back some continuity um, with the rest of the players, too, and developing some of the other guys. So I, I like – I feel way better about the quarterback group in 2022 than I did in the beginning of 2021. So uh, I do feel that they've improved from what they had last year. And going forward, I think this is a really, really good uh, situation for Zach Wilson. So yeah, I'm glad you, um, we, I'm glad you framed it like mm-hmm. that though, because people were really mad at the 2021 start of season quarterback room. So to put it into perspective, like to have the veteran in place already is, is, you know, many steps ahead of where they were last year. Now, if we see sideline videos of Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco playing with their hair at the same time, like we did Darnold and McCown, I'll be over it real quick. I'll be honest. I'm not falling for that again, but I think it's ultimately a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So uh, next topic of conversation, we're going to migrate to the tight end room. And uh, I'm going to have to say this. Um, I think this is one of the best duos that the Jets have had in a very, very long time. Um, We've been talking about um, how important this is for pass protection, for a run game. We've talked about um, how we don't have those big red zone targets because, you know, a lot of teams – don't pick up on the tight end when you're inside the red zone and and they're absolutely dynamic when you can get them on an undersized corner or safety or a slow linebacker and the jets go out and they take one of our weaknesses and now they make it one of our strengths on offense and they bring in CJ Ozama and then they bring in Tyler Conklin the following day. Um, Dylan, I think you had the numbers um, combined it, these guys for, for like a thousand yards and you know we're looking at at least eight touchdowns with them combined I mean if that at all happens and they can replicate what they did last year I mean that is completely um, you know the best case scenario for, for the Jets here and we've turned this whole position group around and it is absolutely much better you know right now on paper it looks great we'll see how it all plays out but I'm quite confident because, you know, even though C.J. Ozama is 29 years old and, you know, but he doesn't look or play that way from what I was watching um, from his 2020 uh, mm-hmm. season. And now you have Tyler Conklin who was able to seize an opportunity with Irv Smith um, getting hurt in Minnesota and coming right into the fold with 61 receptions, just shy of 600 yards and three touchdowns. And, you know, he can block, and he's a big dude. You know, you're talking about six foot three, two 250 pounds. You know, you got Uzama at 6'6", 260. We got some big boys that we can put on. And um, I know you probably have some analytics to go with this, but how are you feeling about the, the new tight end group? Yeah, I'm real fired up. And uh, the stats exactly are combined – 1,086 yards and eight touchdowns. So they, I believe when Uzama was signed, Samini put out that he alone 
had enough production to fill all of what the Jets tight end room did. So, yeah, when you add two players of this caliber at the same position, you're doing a full 180. And this is similar to the the safety uh, position. Like, they need to overcorrect before they they move on because the tight end position was an absolute nightmare last year. I, I mean, I, I think Kenny Aboa even got snaps off the practice squad as, like, the fifth tight end on the roster technically. So hopefully you don't see that again this year. Um, Conklin, he, you said it, 593 and three touchdowns. He had a 70% catch percentage, which is very good for a tight end. Um, there was a uh, thread on Twitter by Brandon Thorne. He does trench warfare. He's all about offensive and defensive lines. Um, and he was highlighting Tyler Conklin as a blocker and how well of a blocker he was. And he was doing all the stuff that Mike LaFleur asked in his offense, like the sniffer coming across in the split zone run. He can get up and get on a linebacker and really contain the linebacker. So uh, from a blocking standpoint, he's very underrated. Um and, yeah, I think ultimately the Jets start looking at starting both of them, essentially. I had somebody ask on Twitter. I don't know if they were asking me or somebody else, but they said, who is the Jets' starting tight end? And I just responded. I said both of them. Like, there's no reason why yeah. you can't consider these a 1A, 1B. Uzama is the older uh, player, sure. He's 29 versus Conklin at 27. But that doesn't mean that he needs to play more reps. I think it's going to be a very – 50-50, or just put them both on the field at the same time. Um, you said this is the best duo the Jets have had in a long time. Uh, I was born in 1995, so I think the best tight ends I've seen are Becht and Keller. So unless they had another tight end that I'm forgetting of that they played with, Becht or, or Keller, I don't think they had a good tight end, too, to run with them. So this might be the best Jets duo at tight end that I've seen in my entire life. Um, you yep. did mention analytics, so yes, I do have some. They, the Jets last year played 202 snaps of 12 personnel. That's one running back, two tight ends. That was 19.61% of their total snaps. Um, so 226 total snaps with two or more tight ends on the field. They had some 13, some, some weird victory formations where they had a lot of tight ends on the field. So 226 total snaps out of just over 1,000. So you're looking at 20% of your snaps. I think that's going to be close to, if not double, in 2022. I think that they're going to run 12 formation 32 to 40% of the time. I think it's going to be their main formation. I'm not saying they're going to abandon 11. I think 11 formation with three wide receivers is bread and butter in the NFL. But they like their tight ends, and they like to utilize them. We were saying it well. I was down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl. Like, these tight ends are popping out, and they do what the Jets want. So now they go get veterans that do exactly what they want. And like I said, it's, it's a complete 180. You can't, you can't look past the moves they've made at tight end. I don't think they're done. I, I'll say that. I don't think they're done. I'm not trying to break news or anything. I just think that they will get one later in the draft. I'm hoping they get one later in the draft because three – tight ends is essential. You don't want to have an injury. Uzama is just coming off an injury. He should be healthy for OTAs, but he's coming off an injury and he turns 30 next year. You have to be proactive in your search to not only find talent, but find upside. So I think they should draft a tight end, even if it's a developmental guy, Jake Ferguson, Cole Turner. Those are some names that we like over here. So ultimately, I love what they've done. I'll, I'll say it again. You can overcorrect 
a position and I'm okay with it. Don't, don't half-ass a position and, and try to pluck a cheap veteran here and, you know, draft a late rookie there. Like they're overhauling this position for good reason. So ultimately I'm totally excited for these two. I watched both their press conferences. I'm fired up. Tyler Conklin put all gas, no brakes. When he signed the deal on Instagram, he spelled brakes wrong, but that's okay. Teams will, players will get on on the slogan. There's no S and it's break, B-R-A-K-E, not break, like break your arm. So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll come along with the slogan, but this is, this is a tight end group that I'm, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm smiling while I'm talking about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, um, you know, I completely agree too. Uh, please go into the draft and get, grab us another tight end. Um, you know, like yeah. I said, Zama's near 29. Um, we got Conklin, you know, right in that prime window. He's 26 years old. So, you know, each of these guys are, um, you know, relatively still young, but they're both on, I believe, three-year deals. And I don't know the contract deal t- details as far as, you know, when we have an opt-out clause. But, you know, I'm a Trayvon Wesco fan, and he really hasn't done too much for this team. And he had the opportunity mm-hmm. to seize that H-back and fullback role last year. Um, he could have been the tight end, too, uh, because they, you know, went ahead and they traded uh, Herndon and, you know, the fact that he got beat out by um, Ryan Griffin, you know, that says a lot to me. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be on this team too much longer. Um, you know, that's probably one of my two early bold predictions on, on you know, camp cuts. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it would be um, that a bad thing if they went ahead and they grabbed themselves another young tight end to throw into the mix here. I mean, when you're talking about getting a guy like, let's just say, you know, Trey McBride, now you've got, you know, two of your big, you know, powerful style tight ends, and then you throw in a receiving guy that you could flex and, you know, use as a jumbo wide receiver in certain packages. You know, mm-hmm. again, we want to create the best scenario for Zach Wilson. And, yeah, let's dip our toes back into the tight end market and get ourselves another young guy that can blossom with Wilson. Absolutely all about that that type of, uh, you know, dynamic and setting up a really, really, you know, powerful, potent offense for Zach and company. So um, they, mm-hmm. they better go out there as far as I'm concerned and get another tight end in the draft. And if you want to do it as far as day two, you know, definitely day three for sure. Um, no complaints from me. I love Ferguson. I'm a big fan of Ruckert, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And I think oh, yeah. McBride would, would be an absolute knockout the park to, to mix into with this group here. So um, I like where we're at right now, but absolutely let's not stop here. If the availability presents itself in the draft, got to do it. Got to put as much talent as you, as you can around Zach Wilson. So yeah, and and you mentioned uh, cap numbers, so I just quickly looked it up while you were talking. And mm-hmm. combine yeah. in 2022, so Uzama and Conklin together on the cap for this season, 8.3 million dollars. That's an absolute steal. Wow. Absolutely, I think, you know, Joe has done uh, a very good job, you know, 
keeping our salary cap budget, you know, very, very uh, competitive right now. We're not making huge, huge deals that are going to put us into a predicament to where we're forced to cut players and things like that. Um, right now we've hit the plateau and not a lot of activities going on, but I think what's happening now is there are some players out there that didn't get much activity in the first week. And, you know, now they're probably going to have to lower their margin a little bit. And, you know, it's the teams that have more money at this point that are going to be able to make those offers and acquire the right guy. So I think the Jets are just kind of sitting back a little bit. They're letting these things play out. And then when the opportunity presents itself, I think that, you know, we might be surprised to see maybe some guys that we didn't think we um, had the opportunity to spend money on. So uh, I like the approach so far. You know, I'm always talking about how the Jets need to be more aggressive, but at the moment right now, we've obtained some good talent. We still have some money. We've got a lot of draft capital. At the end of the day, Jets have options, and this is way different from any scenario that I've had to talk about this team in recent years coming into April. So very, very exciting on on where we're going right now. All right, Dylan, taking a look at the clock here, right around uh, just under 15 minutes here. And, uh, yeah, we're going into one of our last topics for the night, and our last position group we want to talk about are, are the defensive backs. So here's the biggest thing for me. Have we done enough to strengthen the last line of defense? And with DJ Reed and Jordan Whitehead coming on into the fold here as a new corner and a new safety, has the secondary gotten stronger in your opinion? And do you think that the Jets should continue to look in the free agent market? Or maybe we should go to the draft and, hey, we were talking about Sauce Gardner. We've been talking about Kyle Hamilton. You know, these players could be available at pick four. Are they still involved in the conversation? Or do you feel that we've done enough as of right now and we should be looking elsewhere with that number four pick? Well, I'll definitely say that it's it's immensely stronger. Jordan Whitehead is a great, strong safety, and he is everything that Trevor Sycamore's tweet said that I read out last week where he'll put every fiber of his being on the line to make a tackle. That's absolutely evident. Just the highlights that the Jets have put out on their social media since signing him prove that. But then you go and you watch the, the deep dive. I watched his game against the Jets because I just obviously wanted to see the Jets again. And he had a really good game. So Jordan Whitehead, I think confidently I can say, is going to be the best player in our entire secondary. I really like DJ Reed and what he brings to the table. But I think people are going to be talking about Jordan Whitehead as like, holy crap, we got this guy for seven and a quarter uh, for two years. Like, I, I really think by next year, people are going to be like, oh, let's, let's re-sign Jordan Whitehead before this, you know, gets any, like, higher of a price. Um, DJ Reed, I talked about him last week. He's great. I think what he does scheme-wise fits very perfectly. He talked about it in his press conference. He's going to play right side cornerback. Um, mm. I believe that was Brandon Eccles' side, if that makes a difference in anybody's mind mm. in mind. So Interesting. just floating that out there, that, that Eccles played the right side predominantly. But um, ultimately, yes, they have to go take somebody in the draft. Um, I've kind of cooled off Sauce and Hamilton, 
uh, from a talent perspective, if you just watch the film, yes, they deserve to be the fourth pick. And if not the fourth, they definitely deserve to be the 10th pick if they're still there. Um, it's hard to say if Joe Douglas will pull the trigger that early on a defensive back. I don't think Baltimore was prone to doing that in his time there. And I like to pull back from the Ravens because that's who he learned under. So, yeah, you can look at the Eagles and what they did, but I don't think he he takes the mold of the Eagles as much as he did from Baltimore and Ozzie Newsom. I have to go back and look at Newsom's history of, of drafting corners, but I don't think that he is – taken one that high especially four ten i think you can talk yourself into it but we've just talked about wide receiver going at 10 and it, to me a cornerback two or an edge two discussion at pick four because we have a cornerback one and an edge one already on the roster in my opinion i would i would heavily outweigh edge two to cornerback two so for me, I kind of start the cornerback talk at 35. Uh, obviously, they can mm-hmm. move up and go get one. I'm cool with that if they like Trent McDuffie and they want to come back into the first round or something like that. But I, yeah. I, I don't think it should start until the, the second round just due to the, the massive need at edge and wide receiver. Corner is my third need for this team, don't get me wrong. But after you sign a veteran at each secondary position, safety and corner, I have to pull back a little bit and say, all right, where are the holes still? I've done a sign one, draft one sheet, and we still haven't had an edge signing. Um, or, no, we did have an edge signing, Jacob Martin. And, but I look at Jacob Martin, mm-hmm. I'm like, is he going to be a starter? No, he's not going to be a starter. He's mm-hmm. like a plus right. side, like a curry, I guess you could say. Like He was only going to be in on third downs. He's not going to do much for you against the run, although he can do it. You can't rely on him mm-hmm. full time. So, Go take an edge, worry about corner later, but I was really hoping for Kawan Williams, the veteran from San Francisco. I wanted him last year. Mm-hmm. Signed a one-year deal, mm-hmm. I believe, to go back to San Fran. And just 40 minutes ago when we first started the show, he got signed to a two-year deal. I didn't, I didn't even look who signed him. I was already mad. So he's no yeah. longer <laughs> on my list of, of people to float out there as free agent names. So it, it, the list of veterans is dwindling, but – if they can just, you know, even if they get a small-time guy, I don't have a name for you here, but if, if they get a small-time guy and then address it day two, like pick 38 or 69, I'm cool with that because they definitely need more depth at a minimum. I think if you could make Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles your cornerback three and four, I think you, get, you jump on that opportunity. And I think at 38 and 35 specifically, the Jets should be able to do that. Love that take. Yeah, you know, I do feel that they they have improved the secondary. Uh, at first, I, you know, wasn't too sure who Jordan Whitehead was. Then I start watching a little bit more of the film, and you see the tenacity, those hard hits. You can see that this guy just lays his body on the line. Clearly, that's the mentality that Robert Sal is looking for. You know, last year, we saw a lot of, you know, fundamental mistakes coming from the safety position when Marcus May went down. And, you know, we do have some young guys in the, in the mix here, but clearly, you know, um, experience and, and having someone that has a better understanding of what their role is supposed to be from the safety position. I believe LaMarcus Joyner fills that, that need. And I definitely think Jordan Whitehead is going to be the thumper that the Jets are looking for 
um, to play, you know, a little bit more of that box safety role. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you can, you know, utilize him in different, you know, situations for zone coverage and other things like that. So I, I really do like that aspect. And, you know, I'm clearly just, uh, you know, wondering, you know, okay, we, we've brought in Phil Williams. Um, we got the uh, UDFA rookie, Riley, Elijah Riley from last year. Um, we still have Ashton Davis in the mix here. Um, they were, uh, you know, teasing the Jason Pinnock um, going from corner to safety, and he had himself a pretty good game near the back end of the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. Um, now you bring in Whitehead, it's a little crowded at this point. So, you know, as much as I think Kyle Hamilton would be an absolute stud in this defense, with the moves that they've made at this point in time, I'm beginning to think that they're not going to be going that route for safety at four or possibly at ten. So, you know, Sauce Gardner, still possibly in the mix here. Um, You know, there are different groups that have been saying that Jets, you know, maybe like Eccles a little bit more than Hall. And, you know, we as fans look at, you know, what we were talking about from his Virginia days and saying, you know, this guy would have been, you know, a first-round grade had he not gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. He falls in the draft, Jets get him, he gets healthy, he looks good. And then last year he plays, not exceptional, but he did his job. He was not somebody that you were staring at the back of his jersey getting burned every every Sunday like we've seen with other, you know, cornerback experiments. And, um, yeah, maybe if a few of those pass deflections turn into interceptions, we're talking a little bit different about him tonight. But at the same time, he's solid, and I think he's going to be a good player. But to sit here and say that bringing in DJ Reed and getting an absolute freak of nature and Sauce Gardner as your top two corners with Bryce Hall as the – oof, my Lord. I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't want to see that. They do like Michael Carter. I do feel that the Jets are high on Brandon Eccles. And, uh, you know, it's uh, who else have we got there? We got Hall, we got Carter, we got Eccles. Now we're talking about Reed. So they've got about four guys right now that they could definitely go, um, go to bat with and go to war with. However, we know that the lineups can change so quickly from one week to the next. And, if the Jets still think that Sauce Gardner is going to be, you know, an absolute stud lockdown corner, somebody that's going to be talked about, you know, as one of the top guys for years to come, I don't see how you could pass up on that opportunity. I do think that the secondary has been improved and we're a little bit stronger than we were um, from a couple weeks ago. But at the end of the day, I'm still all, all about, you know, Sauce and it's probably going to continue to be that way. But, if the Jets do decide we're going to go out and we're going to take an edge rusher at four and then maybe go for a top wide receiver at 10, no complaints. I'm a happy man. I mean, mm-hmm. getting past rushers, you can't have, an, you know, you need as many as you can get. So I'm not going to complain if they do that. And, you know, as we talked earlier, we know that wide receivers are a very, very important position. And, when you have the opportunity to take two picks within the top 10 and you can walk away with possibly a playmaker like that, you got to seize the opportunity. Um, I'm getting goosebumps. We're getting closer to draft day. Um, you know, uh, I think this is a, a good time for us to uh, close out here, Dylan. 
I don't know if you have any more final, you know, thoughts about, um, you know, still pondering in your mind for tonight. But uh, I am excited because next week we're going to do a little bit of a draft-related show. And, uh, you know, we're going to start uh, revving it up a little bit more and more as we get closer to, to draft day here. And, uh, yeah, so any, any last thoughts or anything that you may want to uh, throw out there before we close tonight? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm leaving it on a somewhat negative note, still continuing with Bryce Hall. Not to say that I hate this guy, but, like, I just feel like the – the stats paint a better picture of who he is as a player. And I look at it over 25 games of his career. He's been targeted 161 times. He has one interception. That's not good for a cornerback one. That's not even good for a cornerback two. You need a little bit more ball production. I know the pass breakups are there. Secondly, he allowed 800 yards in pass in pass yards to the wide receiver last year. Not exactly sure where that ranks, but when your quarterback has a rating of 106.6 against you and you're letting up 800 yards in a season, not very good. So, unfortunately, my stance on Bryce Hall remains that he should be the cornerback three under Brandon Eccles, but I would like to see them as cornerback three and four and get another guy in there. So, I'll leave it at that, but I do like him as a player. Right on. And, you know, that's what we said. We support our players here. You know, we can – we can exactly. critique them. We can be a little bit critical because that's what we do here. We we call yep. it as we see it, and uh, you know we're not professionals. We're we're just average guys, just like you. Um, we just happen to be crazy diehard fans that can't help ourselves and uh, seize the opportunity at least once a week to talk about the Jets for at least an hour or so. So and not um, berate the players. <laughs> and not berate the players. What was that uh, here? Your uh, LAMO. Leave, leave Makai alone, okay. Leave. LMAO. <laughs> Kids know we just changed an acronym tonight. Exactly. That may be our hashtag for the for the next couple weeks now. Um, I'm so, Makai, we got your back here at Jet Nation. Um, can't wait to see uh, this mountain of a man go back over and start bulldozing some, some people. Maybe maybe some people forgot, and that's the issue. So, right. we need a little reminder, and that's quite all right. But – and that's um, everyone. And sorry, uh, I just yeah. I was I was gonna say as soon as somebody brings that point up, where they'll be like, "But he will come back and run people over." The the person that was saying something to Makai immediately goes, "Well, I sure hope so." Like you know what he can mm. do when he's healthy. So just right. just ease on the talk. Just don't talk about it. Just wait for it to happen. Right when that when that Brian Baldinger you know Baldy breakdown comes out with Makai back and steamrolling people. They're mm-hmm. all going to be right back on the train, baby. So, you know, that's just what we do as fans here. But everyone, if you're not, if you don't know already, you got to go to jetnation.com. Um, that is our website. We have the number one fan forum in the NFL. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're we got Green Bean out there collaborating with people. Um, Glenn is still with us, um, just not as much. You know, he's had a little bit of a schedule change <laughs> with his work. Uh, for certain people that are wondering where he has been, he's still with us. He's still writing. He's a little bit more on the YouTube scene, um, but we are planning to do uh, a few more shows in the upcoming weeks with Mr. Naughton. So for those of you who have missed Glenn, he's not too far. He's always with us. And, uh, you know, we all love him at Jet Nation. But don't forget to go to JetNation.com, download the app. Everything's for free. 
nonstop Jets conversation on JetNation.com. So for Dylan and Alex Rallo signing off, everyone have a great week. Looking forward to next week's show. We're getting the draft uh, conversation started, and we have a little something special in store. So don't forget to tune in next week, Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m., Jet Nation Radio. Everybody, have a good one, and let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!